Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Honest Worship Podcast. If I am correct, I believe it is episode 33 now of the Honest Worship Podcast. We have made it this far, 33 episodes. 33. That is 11 times 3. So 11 episodes ago, plus another 11 episodes ago, we were at episode 11. What? 11 episodes ago, plus right. another 11? You mean... Oh, no, no, that would be, be at zero. That, no. Wait, what? We, wait. No, that, we, we, we would be at 11. Wait, so 11 episodes, so you subtract, ago. that's 22, then so another, another 11. 11 episodes. So yeah, 11. Yeah. We're going to be episode 11. I don't even remember okay. what episode 11 was. Yeah, we're staying being, being bad honest. at math on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> that is not our specialty, but we try. <laughs> uh yeah but i don't even remember what episode 11 was which is so it's been it's oh, been man. a while it's there's been no a while. way I, I don't i don't remember the exact episodes in the topics. <laughs> i don't even remember last episode <laughs> <laughs> uh but we are here episode 33 uh today we're going to be continuing our wonder series so hopefully you've enjoyed it so far just a quick recap of the last few episodes uh by the way we're going to try to keep this episode under 45 minutes and we're already at uh, one minute and 30 seconds. So we got to oh, rush man. through this. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, but last few episodes, first episode of the Wonder Series, we talked about grandeur, the greatness of God. Uh, what 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 about God is so big, so great, um, that the angels, that all of creation is being able to sing the praises of this God. Mm-hmm. And then we, of course, talked about the holiness of God. Um, what about God is so holy that the angels cry out for all of eternity, holy, 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 that, that the believers cry out, holy, holy, holy. What about God is so uh, awe-inspiring in his holiness that it instills within us a sense of awe and wonder in who God is? So that was the last two episodes. And of course, towards the end, we try to bring it all back to the cross of Jesus Christ because that is mm-hmm. what our goal is, right? By the mercies of God, we are we're trying to encourage you through each attribute of God to be driven to point to the cross, right? We have said it many times on this episode, right? The cross is where the, the we see the climax, the apex of all of God's attributes yeah. come together yeah. at this fulfillment point right there at the cross. Um, that's where we see it. And so that's kind of been the point of this series so that through each attribute, we can be put in wonder of the cross. And today's yep. attribute that we are discussing is the justice of God. And we're going to be going mm. through justice uh, in a very broad scale uh, of course um justice uh in, in in biblical justice has you know so many different levels and there's so much nuance of course there's you know bib- biblical uh areas and you know where we focus on social justice and there's biblical areas where we focus on god's justice over sin uh, and right. so you know these are all things hopefully we in a very short episode can kind of summarize very quickly uh, and hopefully by the end of this episode you will be able to worship god by being in wonder and in awe of who yeah. god is as a just god yep uh, and so without further ado uh let's jump right in talking about the justice of god um first and foremost let's go with what we already you know have kind of laid the foundation for as god being a just god in regards to sin um 
this aspect of God's justice stems from his holiness. I think that's one thing that we have to understand. The justice of right. God towards sin stems from his holiness. And even when we see in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, in fact, we can go there, Isaiah chapter 6. Um, again, we've already read this in regards to the holiness of God, but here we're going to read it in terms of understanding how the holiness of God ties into the justice of God. Uh, so let's just start at verse uh, 2 of Isaiah chapter 6. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, 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 the Lord of hosts the whole earth is filled with the whole earth is full of his glory and then the foundations of the uh, threshold uh, shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke and now here is where we kind of see the correlation between god being holy and this mm. aspect of sinfulness how these two kind of come to a uh, i guess you could say a clashing point here right verse five and I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my right. eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now look at now look at verse 6 and verse 7. This is where we really see again God's dealing, because he is holy, how he deals with sin. Right? So again, we're going to see this clashing point. Again, many times when we talk about the justice of God and sin, there's always going to be this clashing point between God's attributes and human sinfulness. It just does not mesh together. And here's verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal. So this idea of the burning coal is an idea of cleansing. It's, right? it's meant to cleanse Isaiah that he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth. So think about that. Think about a searing, burning hot coal touching your lips, right? It's not a mm. pleasant uh, experience. And I don't think the prophet Isaiah is trying to make this a pleasant experience right. for you to picture. Right. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned mm. for. Right. Yes. That's a very key word we have to understand when, especially in regards to talking about sin and the justice of God that stems from the holiness of God. A holy God cannot dwell with sin or with sinners unless sin is atoned for. Right. Right. So already when we see, right, we talked about this verse in regards to the holiness of God, how we see God as this high, holy, magnificent God. Right. When we see God for his greatness, we cannot help but see God also for his holiness. And right. here now we are seeing a picture of not only God as a great God. Right. We see in verse one that he is high and lifted up, that the train of his robe is filling the mm. temple. So not only do we see God as a great God, but right. we see God as a holy God. And mm. consequently, we must see God because he is a holy God. We must see him as a just God who demands that sin be atoned for. Yeah. Yeah. And like we said, and I, and if you we go back to the previous episode, Sammy, like you mentioned, these attributes of God arise from his holiness, right? Mm. The fact that he is incomparable, the fact that there is no one like him. So when we talk about these attributes, the justice of God, they are coming from a God who is incomparable, meaning yeah. justice, like we often say about the other attributes, um, we haven't found a God that has, um, how we say, 
extended or magnified the definition of justice, we f- we know a God who is justice. Yeah. Our definition of justice comes from who he is, right? And mm-hmm. so that's when we say he's justice. And one thing, just to kind of as a word study that we usually do in here, um, in the in the scripture uh, in the scripture at least in English um, we have kind of separated the words justice and righteousness right we see righteousness in the text we see justice in the text we have also in English defined them differently uh, mm. but actually in scripture uh, in the Greek and also in Hebrew those words are given the same those mm. words are given the same so in Hebrew we see the word sed- uh, sedek for justice and righteousness. And in Greek, we see the word dikaios for justice and righteousness, right? So we see these things um, kind of as the same, even though they're separated in English. So kind of the way that I've kind of thought about it is we can see how the righteousness, the righteousness of God we see as who God is, meaning if God is incomparable, if there's no one like him, and if that is what we say when God is holy, that mm-hmm. means that when God acts or God does, God is not coerced into doing it. God is not compelled by anyone or anything to do it. God does what he does because he is righteous. Mm. He is just. And because God does everything on his own accord and he is perfect, he is holy, that means that what God does in response or God acts in accordance to who he is, and we can kind of see that as justice, right? And yeah. like Sammy said, throughout Scripture, we see how God acts in according to his character. So we can see that God is righteous and he acts in that righteousness or he acts in that justice as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to keep in mind is that this isn't just a really good way to describe God. This isn't just a new benchmark for righteousness. It isn't just a new benchmark for a way to look at other people or communities or whatever it is and say, hey, this is actually a good way to look at justice because God did this and this looked good, or God did this and this looked good. So he's actually doing this well when we look through our scripture. No, we look at God and we say, God is this. This He is the absolute essence of justice and righteousness, and that is why he acts in accordance to it. So when we mm-hmm. go through these verses in Scripture, let's see it as a God who is holy, and therefore his justice and righteousness come from his holiness. It is who he is. It's not just uh, a God who is really good at enacting that yeah. justice. Yeah, yeah, and that's a really important thing that Rufus mentioned. This is who God is, right? So when we understand, like in the same way with holiness and in the same way with God's grandeur, right? God is not just great because we make him out to be great. God, we we understand God as great because he is great. It's not something that we ascribe to him. And then he only because of our acknowledgement of his greatness, does he become great? Uh, no, he is great. And that is why we can acknowledge God as great in the same way with his holiness, right? Holiness is not a standard that we define and try to fit God into our box. We see that happen Mm -hmm. so many times today, Mm -hmm. but rather we look at the holiness of God and then we say, God, you are holy, right? And in the same way with the justice of God, just like Rufus said, this is who God is. Yeah, this is who God is. It's not something that we ascribe to God and say, "Okay, God, you def- you I define whatever I want justice to be, and let me try to fit you into this." Right? We see that so many times. Yeah, yeah. So many times Absolutely. we see that all the time, where people define what they mean by justice and then mm-hmm. try to put the God who Himself is already yep. just, yep, 
eternally past, present, and future. He is just. That is who he yeah. is. And then we and see you'll always find alive. something. You'll always find. Yeah. You'll always be able to manipulate text to fit that narrative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a sad thing. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really, truly a sad thing. And I'm right. really glad that Rufus hit on that. That it's not. We can't. It's not something that we make up. This is right. God's essence. Mm-hmm. This the attributes of God are not just something that people have come up with to define God. No, yeah. these are things God has made and revealed and known to us. Yeah. That's why we see all throughout the scriptures, people just looking upon God and saying, God, you are a God who works justice. God, you are a God whose throne is established and your throne is just and you judge rightly. Not because they ask God and feel like God will do these things because mm. they know that this is who God is. Right. 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 We can just go through, go through the scriptures. Look, look at Psalm nine, verse seven to eight, but the Lord abides forever. He establishes his throne for judgment, right? So there's the aspect of judging Yeah, and he will judge the world in what righteousness he will yeah. execute judgment for the peoples with equity, yeah. perfect judgment, perfect justice, righteous judgment. It's not yeah. like the things of this world. And that's why when people, when we try to fit God into what we want justice to be defined as, we yeah. come up not only with the skewed understanding of justice, but a skewed understanding of God. Right, right. And those are two very dangerous things. Yeah. And I think sometimes what happens is, uh, you just mentioned, um, you know, God reveals these characters, or mm-hmm. reveals these attributes, Right. God does them intentionally. And sometimes what we see is when someone does something or someone asks for something to be done in scripture and God acts in response, we think that God is at the disposal of mankind, Mm. right? And so we, mankind has desired something, human being or a character in scripture, a man of faith, whoever it is, has desired something, wanted something, and God acted in that manner. So God was really fulfilling the justice that mankind had in his heart. No, whatever God acts in, whatever God does, God does it with intent. And ultimately, like an episode, or I think it was, I don't know if we did an episode or we did a blog where God does everything for his own glory, ultimately. Right. Mm -hmm. So throughout eternity, God is trying to reveal these attributes. God intently is revealing these attributes. And I think one of the most beautiful ways to uh, or examples of that is is Abraham pleading for um, Lot and his family from in Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. Uh, I know R.C. Sproul talks about this very well, and he talks about if God knows what we're going to pray for, why do we pray? Right. One Mm -hmm. of the main things that we see is that God chooses to reveal himself through the answering of prayers. God chooses to reveal himself, his attributes, his justice, his righteousness, his holiness, through working on behalf of his people. That's how God chooses. Not God is coerced or kind of trapped Mm. into revealing himself. That's how God chooses to reveal himself, right? So we see that in Genesis chapter 18, Abraham is interceding to God for Sodom and Gomorrah. And we see that in Genesis 18, verse 19, he says, For I have chosen him that he may command his children and household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what is promised him. So we know that God is a God of justice and righteousness, also desires it. But then mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter 18, verse 25, we see, Far be it for you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that mm-hmm. the righteous fare is the wicked. So we see Abraham is pleading 
for God to save Lot and his family, save the righteous there, because Abraham knows not that God has done justice, but God is a God who is righteous. Abraham doesn't sum up all of these acts and say, hey, maybe God can do this again one more time. Abraham knows who God is and that it's in his character. And so Abraham is, is essentially what he's doing here is appealing to God's own character. Yeah. He's appealing to God's own character in this prayer and saying, God, you are a just God. You are a God who enacts justice. So far be it from you to do such a thing to put the righteous to death with the wicked. And God reveals his justice in the answering of that prayer. So yeah. when we look at these stories through scripture, don't look at it as if we are the ones who are righteous and just, and we're trying to get God to do that justice. Mm. No, God is acting on his own nature, even in the answering yeah. of our prayers. Yeah. And so that's something to keep in mind as well. It's that it's not that we have this inclination and we're going to see that our inclination is not towards righteousness and justice naturally. Yeah. Our bend, is, mm -hmm. our disposition mm -hmm. is not towards that, but God throughout eternity from the beginning has intently revealed his attributes of righteousness and justice to mankind. Yeah, and even even with Isaiah 6, right, it's not that Isaiah somehow makes the push for God to come and cleanse him, right? It's not that yeah, Isaiah yeah, yeah, makes yeah. that yeah. push for that, you know, in, the, in regards to sin and justice, that Isaiah mm -hmm. is the one that appeals to God. Now, Isaiah realizes his sinfulness and then asks God, to destroy him right when we right. see that word woe it's not just a simple like oh you know i'm i'm unlucky but when we see it in the old testament we see david actually use this a lot especially in regards to his enemies right mm -hmm. woe are they um who you know whatever curse and revile your name whatever right mm -hmm. it's a, it's an idea of destruction and of judgment yep. and yep. that's what isaiah is doing here in isaiah yeah. chapter 6 he yeah. realizes the holiness of God, the greatness of God. And in light of that, he says, woe is me. Right. He, he, he basically curses himself, mm -hmm. calls for the destruction of God upon himself. It's not that he's yeah. asking God, God, would you cleanse me? No, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he, in light of the holiness of God, realizes that all he is rightfully due yep. because of God being just is damnation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. But then it is God who acts justly in cleansing Isaiah with the coal so that his sin right. is atoned for. Right. Right. And Rufus, just like Rufus said, right. We, it's not, we can't fit God into this box of human justice. Mm -hmm. We can't, yeah. we cannot do that. Isaiah had the correct response. Could you imagine if we were in Isaiah's place? Hmm. Would we say the same thing? Yeah. Would we? Because the because the modern church today has an awful understanding of human sinfulness. Yep. Would we say the same thing? Yeah. Would we be able to, like Isaiah, understand how wicked and perverse we are and then appeal to God saying, God, I am not worthy to stand in your presence. Yeah. God acted in such a unique way with his justice. That's what I love about the justice of God. It's right. so unique. Who would right. have thought that when Isaiah deserved damnation, that God would come with the hot coal and cleanse Isaiah's lips, mm. atoning for his sin? Yeah. No one thinks of that, but God. And just like, mm. just like we already mentioned, right, this is why we cannot come up with our own views of justice and then try to say, okay, God, you now do this. Yeah. 
because either we don't have a correct view of God or we don't have a correct view of justice. Right. Right. We need to understand. We need to understand. Just like we've already mentioned time and time again in just this episode. Mm. Right. When we understand the greatness of God, when we understand the holiness of God, we cannot help but see also the justice of God. Right. Not only towards sin, but as who he is. Mm. As a just lawgiver that we already read that verse. He has established his throne. He's established his judgments. Yeah. And he judges the peoples with what? Equity. Perfect judgment. It's not like this world. Right. And we have to understand this because if we don't, not only are we getting a skewed understanding of justice, especially when this world that we live in needs more than anything justice. Right. Right. We're not only getting a bad understanding of justice, but a bad understanding of God who this world also needs. Yeah. And so we're doing ourselves and our brothers and sisters and our friends and our family and those who do not know Christ a disservice. Yep. If we don't properly understand this. Yeah. Right. It's so big for us to understand this. Right. So we see already just to kind of quickly go over what we've talked about. We see already the holiness of God and from the holiness of God stems his justice. Hmm. And that justice acts towards sin and causes calls for an atonement. Right. We see that with the coal cleansing Isaiah's lips. That's the form of atonement that we see there. Rufus touched upon and mentioned that this is the characteristic of God. This is not just some sort of, you know, far-fetched ideal. When we see the righteousness of God in Scripture, we are also subsequently seeing the justice of God in Scripture. These things go hand in hand. This is who God is. As a righteous God, He is also, therefore, a just God. These go hand in hand. Yep. We talked about how God reveals these things to us, right? It is not that as if we come up with justice and try to fit God into this box, Mm -hmm. but rather God is just and has made it known to us that he is just. And then we see also that our correct response to the holiness of God is to ask for his judgment. And then yet God being both gracious and just makes Mm. a way sparing us from judgment. Keep that in mind. Uh That's going to be really important when we come back to this topic of sin and justice later. Yeah. So we see these attributes of God and his justice in these ways, but we also see God's justice in a much more, you know, we we have the concept now, the term now of social justice, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But we see God enacting justice far before, uh, you know, social justice was a huge thing, right? God has already in scripture talked about how we are to what? work justice right he tells believers to work justice he tells the old testament to work justice we see even in leviticus and in deuteronomy how god has made provisions for those who are widows and for orphans and it's crazy to see the justice of god and even in the psalms we see that god is a god who does what works justice for those who are oppressed even in deuteronomy actually let's go there because we already mentioned how god in the levitical law that this is a thing Right. So Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, the mm. justice of God in terms of, um, you know, a much more practical social level. Right. He right. executes justice for the orphan and for the widow. And he mm. shows his love for the alien. Right. This is a concept of those who are. Right. So uh, let's say we go to a foreign country. We are an alien in that country. Right. We are not right. from that country. Right. So even for those who I, what we would consider, I guess, outcast. God mm-hmm. shows his love for them by giving them food and clothing. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? 
yeah. right? The justice of God in a much more real and practical way, not yeah. just in terms of sin, right? Which is a huge issue, right? right? And it's because of sin that we need social justice, that we right. need God to come and act in these ways, yeah. right? It's because of sin that we see God not only as a God who shows justice against sin, but mm. acts and works justice for the oppressed. Right. It's a beautiful picture of God that we right. see here. Right. Right. And then in Psalm uh, 140, verse 12, this is, this is the psalmist singing, right? I know that the Lord will maintain his cause for the afflicted and justice for the poor. Right. right. Again, for the oppressed, God works justice. Why? Because he is a just God. Yeah. Psalm 146, verse 7 to 9, the Lord executes justice for the oppressed. He gives food yeah. to the hungry. He sets the prisoner free. He opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the strangers. He supports the fatherless and the widow, yeah. but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Right. So here we see not only God as a just God in terms of acting justly towards those who are oppressed, but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Yep. Another aspect of the justice of God, this is the beauty of the justice of God. And this is why in the, in the series called Wonder, when we're trying to understand how all of this is wondrous, right? Yeah. When we look at the world around us, we not only see the effects of sin, which calls for a right judge, but right. we see how sin must be combated. Right. Not only on a spiritual level, but being the hands and feet of Jesus, loving right. those around us, caring for the orphan, caring for the widow. And this is how we are able to look at God and say, God, not only are you the God who acts with justice towards sin, but right. works justice for the oppressed. Right. Only the God of the Bible does this. Amen. Only the God of the Bible. And yeah. this is why we as Christians of all people, more than any other religion, more than any other worldview, are able amidst adversity, amidst persecution, amidst difficulty, we are able to look around in the world and still have love and still yeah. work with grace. Right. Why? Because we know that God judges justly. Mm. And also we as Christians are to work justice for those who are already oppressed. Yep. Yep. Right? It's a yep. beautiful picture here. Yeah. Right? And we see even in the in, in the early church, this is how it went. Right. Caring for one another. In Acts right. in Acts chapter six, I believe it is, right? They set aside a group of men who they pray mm. over and anoint full of the spirit, right? And we see them caring for the orphans and the widows. Yeah. Why? This right. is who God has revealed himself to be. And Consequently, we have a responsibility as believers when we see this God as not only yeah. a God who acts with justice towards sin, but works justice for the oppressed. We are to be driven out of wonder, not only to worship God, but to right. follow that example. Right. It's a very, right. very beautiful picture that we see here. And and just look at the, the spectrum uh, very quickly. Let's look at the spectrum of, of humanity, uh, especially when Jesus came down to earth. We see a group of people that are just, you know, even now just cannot fathom that God would punish sin. Mm. That God would be a God that has to deal with sin, that would deal with sin, that would have, uh, uh, that would punish sin, that had judgment against sin. At the yeah. same time, you had people, especially in the time when Jesus came, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the high priests, people who would question when Christ would show love 
or when justice was uh, being enacted for those who were oppressed, for those who were hungry, who those who were considered outsiders. Mm. So look at how it look at how you know imperfect and flawed and messed up this world is. Because there, like Sammy just said, we see a spectrum of people where we don't understand justice. On one yeah. side, we don't understand how people who are so unlovable can be loved mm. and people who we think or ourselves who think we deserve more are entitled to more. God would say, no, we are all sinners deserving of the same judgment. Mm. That's the crazy thing about the justice of God is that for each and every person, there's an aspect to divine justice that we don't won't comprehend. We won't understand. That's how the world has been. That's how we see throughout scripture. There's always one side or the other. And that's what I love about the justice of God is that it's always made somebody angry. <laughs> it's always, <laughs> it's always made someone mad because we, it is it, like we said, it stems from his holiness. It is mm. incomparable that our minds cannot fathom his justice. So I'm, I, it's so important that, like Sammy said, we see that the side of, of God's justice that is is um, enacting justice against sin and also the one that helps the oppressed, helps yeah. the hungry, sets mm -hmm. the prisoners free, opens the eyes of the blind like we read in Psalms. So that's something that's so uh, amazing to to think about again. Mm, and it's I, I love what you said. How, yeah. how can we think of God as someone who loves the unlovable? Mm -hmm. right? That's so... And that's, that's, again, this is the beauty of the justice of God. Yeah. When we see that God judges the people with equity, right. this means, and, and think about this in the context of salvation, right. that he judges the people with equity. Yeah. And we're going to get into this on a much deeper level. Mm -hmm. But think about this, that each and every single one of us, totally unlovable because of sin. And yet, what did God do? Love us. Yeah. He lavished his love upon us. That's what it says in 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has shown towards us that we should be called the children of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's perfect love. Just yeah. love. Righteous love. Only yeah. God. Only, only our God, the God of the Bible can do that. Yeah. And if that doesn't instill within us as Christians wonder for yeah. who our God is, I don't know what will. Right. This causes us to worship. Right. This drives us to sing the praises of this magnificent God and right. to say, God, you are. Yeah. You are. Right. And one more thing on just the topic of sin is even in for the people of Israel, um, the people of Israel were given the law. And the law was essentially a reflection of God's justice and God's and God's righteousness. But the reason that's given, the reason why God acts is because there's no way we can know God's justice until it's revealed, unless he reveals himself, right? And so we see over and over again, God has revealed this, and the law is one that's especially. But if we want to know the revealed justice and righteousness of God, then we know or we need to know that God gives to man or treats man as according to what they deserve. Mm. And that means that there must be a punishment for sin. 
That's yeah. why this is so important. That's why we re- reiterate sin again. That's why justice of God is tied so closely in the scripture portions that we talked about to sin. Mm. Because if we truly want to see the revealed justice of God, that means that we must receive what we deserve. Yeah. That's justice. Mm. And if we are to receive what we deserve and who we are are sinners, then what we deserve is the judgment of God. Mm. What we deserve is the justice of God for that. That's why that's so important. We can't just say, I want to see the justice of God revealed and make do everything that, uh, give me everything that I wasn't given in my life. Make me as good as I can be in this earth. No. Mm. If we want to see the revealed justice of God, then we have to look at the sin of mankind and say, if God is just, he must act and punish that sin. Yeah. That's an aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing that people often, this is one thing that people often skew about the justice of God, Mm -hmm. right? How could a loving God send people to hell? Mm. And how could a loving God be wrathful? Right. Those seem like two contradictions, love and wrath. They don't mesh mesh well together. But here's, here's a question that I want. If you were asking this question, here's a question I want to, I want to answer your question with a question. (laughs) (laughs) If God isn't loving, Hmm. then he wouldn't be wrathful, would he? Hmm. Would he? If your son or your daughter, right, let's assume you have a son or a daughter, right? If if that's, if something horrible were to happen to them, right, let's say hmm. uh, someone mistreated them or anything like that, hmm. and I, I don't want to really dive into anything like that because that's right. not a topic that, you know, is typically something that, is pleasurable to talk about, right. right? But wouldn't you as a parent or as a dad or as a mom mm. work full of fury mm. to avenge your daughter? Right. Wouldn't you? I mean, that's yeah. what we see in Romans chapter 12, 19. The apostle Paul urges the believers. He say, he say, he says, don't, don't take revenge for yourselves, dear friends. Right. Romans 12, verse 19, he says, don't take revenge for yourselves. But mm. leave room for God's wrath. For right. it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Yes. Right? So wouldn't you as a parent, because of your love for your daughter or your son or your child, just mm. work with full of wrath to avenge? Right. In the same way, when we look at the sin around us, aren't we grateful that there is a God that deals with sin as it deserves to be dealt with? Hmm. Or would we much rather allow sin to run rampant in the world? Would we continue to desire to see people's lives being destroyed? Right. To see poverty in this world, to see hunger, to see brokenness, Hmm. to see broken marriages, broken relationships between parents and children. Right. Do we, do we con- want to continue to see hurt and hardship and pain and sorrow and wickedness run rampant in this world? Yeah. Because we don't think a loving God could be wrathful? Mm. Again, this is, this, is the, this is the craziness about biblical justice, about right. the justice of God. It's right. because God is holy and because he is loving that he works justice in the way that he does. Yep. Yep. A God who is not wrathful towards sin is not a God who is loving towards Mm. the sinner. Right. 
which seems like a contradiction, but it's not. Mm. Because if there's one thing that you and I need saving from, it's our sin. Yes. Hmm. If God does not show wrath and fury hmm. to those who work wickedness, then he has no love for those who work righteousness. Yeah. And he's not a just God. Amen. He cannot be a just God. And he Amen. cannot be a loving God if he does not show wrath towards sin. Amen. All right, we see James chapter 12, verse 4. There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to both save and destroy. Hmm. Right? The love and the wrath of God. Yep. Only God, only our God, the God of the Bible, can work both as a just lawgiver to show wrath and simultaneously show love. Yes. And this might seem like such a big contradiction, but let me tell you, it's not. If God does not hate sin with every fiber of his being, he does not love you and me. Right. And if you think that this makes absolutely no sense, you're right. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the beauty of this just God. Yep. That's the beauty of the justice of God, that it doesn't make perfect sense. Yep. God's justice is far above and beyond anything we could comprehend. Yeah. And that's why even when we were sinners, God's wrath both fully burned in full fury towards us and yet his love quenched us and drenched us through that precious blood shed on Amen. that cross. Amen. Amen. Oh, you, wanna, you want to see the biggest contradiction? Look yes. at the cross. Yes. It does not make sense. Yep. To see both the justice of God and the wrath of God being displayed mm. in full fury and yet the love of God Amen. seen drenching every wretched sinner. It does Amen. not make sense. Amen. But that's exactly what God did at that cross. Amen. That's exactly who God was. A just God. Mm. Romans chapter 3. I Three. love Romans chapter 3. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. <laughs> and it, we're going to have to go through a good portion of Romans chapter 3 for what the passage that we want to get to makes sense. All right, so let's let's go. This whole passage of Romans chapter 3 is to defend one thing, and that is the justice of God. Yep. And so we're going to start from verse 1, and we're going to get all the way to verse 24. So just bear mm. with us, okay? Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. Then what advantage has the Jew or what value of or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? No, by no means. Let God be true and everyone else be a liar. Right, so he's defending the justice of God in the context of his grace towards the, you know, born Israelites, born Jews. Right. So this is one term that the Apostle Paul is defending the righteousness of God in this context. As it is written that you may be justified in your words and that you and prevail when you are judged. But what if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God? What shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us, I speak in a human way. 
By no means. For then how could God judge the world, right? Do you see mm. this? Do you see this? Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? By no means. For then how could God judge the world? Mm. How can God judge the world rightly if he does not inflict wrath? Yep. And this is a very serious question. And this is one that people will argue with over and over again. Yeah. God, oh, I can't believe in a God that is wrathful. I can't mm. believe in a God that wants to judge. Mm. God does not love if he does not judge. Yep. And show wrath. Yep. But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come as people slanderously charge what us saying? Their condemnation is just. Right? This is what people are saying. This is the question that people are raising. How could a loving God judge the world? And if then my sin makes known all the more the glory of God, why not just continue to let me sin? Yeah. Do you understand the severity of what we are talking about here? Right? We are asking God, God, I cannot love you if you judge the world. Mm. And then yet, the very sin God wants to judge, we cling on to ever so closely. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul is here saying that that condemnation is just. Right. And then look at verse 9. What then? Are Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that both Jew and Greek are under sin. As it is written, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. Mm. No one mm. seeks for God. If you want your feelings hurt, this is the passage. Yes. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they be, have become worthless. No one does good. Not mm. even one. Their throat mm. is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. And asp is a snake, by the way. So basically mm. the Apostle Paul is saying that we are as venomous as snakes. Yep. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Their paths are ruin and misery. Mm. And the way of peace they have not known, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. Right. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and that the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has mm. been manifested apart from the law although the law and the prophets bear witness to it the righteousness of god through faith in jesus christ for all yes. who believe for there is no distinction for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god mm. do you understand this all have sinned and fallen short of the glory mm. of god we think of god as a god if he is loving how can be how can he be wrathful he can yep. be wrathful towards us because we have sinned and fallen mm. short of his glory right but how can he be loving and wrathful towards sinners at the same time verse 24 and are justified by yeah. his grace as a gift 
through Amen. the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now look at Amen. verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show the righteousness of God because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. Verse 26. This is probably the most beautiful verse of this Amen. chapter. It was to show the righteousness of God at the present time so that he might be both the just, just. the one who Amen. shows wrath towards sin and the justifier, the one who redeems the sinner. Amen. Amen. So that for what? The, those who might have faith in Jesus Christ might Amen. be redeemed. Brothers Amen. and sisters, do you understand the severity, Amen. the magnitude of this verse? Amen. Right? We think of justice in these human terms. We think of, of God in these human terms. How could, how could a loving God judge sinners? How could Amen. a loving God show wrath? Brothers and sisters, that is what we are deserving of. And Amen. yet God showed wrath and mercy simultaneously at that cross where his wrath should have burned in full fury upon you and I. He Amen. came in the form of man, hung on that tree and died yes. so that you and I, sinners, Sinners who are worthy of the wrath of God can be Amen. named as sons. Yes. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. The just and the justifier. Yeah. You don't find that anywhere else. You don't find that in the U.S. government. You don't find right. that in Canada or in India or in Pakistan right. or in China. You find that in one place at the feet of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, where Amen. his side, his hands and his feet bore the nails for you and me, yeah. where his crown of his the crown of his head bore a crown of thorns. Yeah. Where his back endured whippings. And most of all, where upon that cross, he bore the punishment that you and I deserve. This yeah. is the wonder of the justice of God. Yeah. And I just want to just to just to add something there and just to kind of I'm not going to I'm not going to go through it very much. But we go back to no one does good. No one is righteous. No, not one. And, you know, we think about those people who really want to know if there's this deity who really wants to search and go out to say, hey, is there a God? I'm going to go out and find. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to try to see, is there a God? Is there really a God out there? But the reality is no one seeks God for God. No one seeks God for him. That's what it says. No one does good. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one seeks God for a savior. We all, in our natural inclination, in our sin, we seek God for whatever it is that we need. Hey, I need this to be done. I want this to be done. I need this to be done for me. But no one seeks God for a savior, for redemption. So that's why he says there's no one who does good. No one's righteous. No, not one. But what Samuel mentioned that's most beautiful is that it says in verse 25, this mm. was to show God's righteousness because his divine, in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Brothers and sisters, the justice of God would not be justice if it was passing over and just wiping it away. Mm. It's not justice because he swept it under the rug and said, hey, I'm just going to keep this hidden so that I can somehow bring people into eternity and into communion with me again. No, he can pass over former sins because in the previous verse, God put forth Christ as a propitiation Amen. by his blood. It was not passed over. It was not swept under the rug, but Christ bore our sins. Mm. Therefore, 
like Sammy said, and we read here, God can be both the just and the justifier. Mm -hmm. And here's something that I want everyone to pay attention to and really understand this, that when we say the justice of God in sin and the justice of God in redemption, this is something that we have to, we can't exclude anything from here. We really have to understand it for what it is. When we say God is just in his sin, that means that, I don't want to give names. I'm just trying to give give this idea in your mind. The most evil person. Let's put, let's put Hitler there. The most evil people, person. When you think of evil and sin that you can imagine in your mind, take that person and take the most righteous and mightily used by God, the greatest person you can think of, Piper, Sproul, whoever it is, all of these great men of God, Billy Graham, whatever it is, both Hitler and the greatest, most righteous person that you can think of, apart from Christ, have the same condemnation. Mm. Apart from Christ, the mm. most evil human being and the most righteous person that you can think of in your life have the same judgment apart from the redemption through Jesus Christ. That is the justice. You want to talk about justice? That's justice. Yeah. That no one through his own works, through his own ability, can attain a higher righteousness, a higher standing, a higher reward. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how evil you think you are or how right you think you are. Mm. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But yeah. here's the great thing about justice. And we see this in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, when Peter mm. is foretold by God to go and proclaim the good news to the Gentiles, not just the Jews, the Gentiles, and Peter opens his mouth when he's talking to Cornelius and says, now truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Yeah. God shows no partiality. Brothers and sisters, it is true that God is just and he uh, is just in, in punishing sin, that mm. even the most evil person, the righteous person have the same condemnation. But here's the great thing about the justice of God. Here's the great thing about the cross of Jesus Christ and the love that was displayed on the cross of Jesus Christ, that God shows no partiality in our redemption. Amen. No matter what background Amen. you come from, no matter what sin you say you have, no yeah. matter what guilt you hold, God does not show partiality in redemption. Yeah. God welcomes all of mankind to believe in this Jesus Christ, to put your faith in him, to run to him, to repent of your sins, because God not only shows partiality in his judgment against sin, he shows no partiality in his redemption yeah. for mankind. Amen. That is the beauty of the cross. That's the beauty of justice that we yeah. see in Scripture. Yeah. And when Sam said he's both the just and the justifier, I'm going to just quickly say this before I stop, both the just and the justifier. And I've talked about this courtroom scene, and I've spoke about this many times, and how God is the judge in this courtroom, and we are standing as the accused, and our sin stands there as the accuser, and the verdict is guilty. We are guilty as charged. Mm -hmm. There is no evidence that we have or we possess that would prove otherwise. Yeah. And when we deserve to die, what happens is no one comes to advocate for us. No one comes in at the last minute, but God himself stands up, comes down and takes our punishment, our guilt, that verdict upon himself. Yeah. Therefore, God is the one who judges mm -hmm. and God is the one who takes that punishment. Amen. He is both the just and the justifier. Amen. And that's just something that, man, we 
again, talk about worship a lot, and I know that we reiterate this over and over again. But these attributes always leave us in a state of wonder, like this yeah. this theme is, right? Leaves us in a state of wonder, saying, man, this, this is truly who God is. Yeah, This is truly who God is, and it is so uh, incomparable in our minds. It's so hard to fathom, but shouldn't, isn't it, isn't it so much greater when we start with the things about God that is normally hard to understand, hard to listen to, sin and wrath, though we don't like talking about it, but isn't it in that setting that we see the light of the love of God shine the greatest, the light of the mercy and the grace of God shine the greatest? And so that's just something I'll draw each and every one of us to understand that God is just in his punishment against sin. And in the same way, he is just in his forgiveness and redemption through the cross of Christ. Yeah. And this is when we talk, when we think about the justice of God, and we're going to wrap up very quickly. When we think about the justice of God, when we think about, you know, how could God, you know, love and yet show wrath? How could God, you know, be merciful and yet judge, right? Mm. We, we think about this and yet we need to realize we are deserving of the wrath of God and the judgment of God. And yet God showed us what? Both mercy and grace, mm. love and compassion. Right. It's not a question of how could God, mm. but how couldn't he? How couldn't he pour out his wrath? Yep. How couldn't he pour out his judgment? Yep. Brothers and sisters, and if you do not know Jesus, let me tell you, this is such a good anchor for your soul. Yeah. When you see and look around at the world, when you see sorrow, when you see social issues that need justice, man, I will tell you, you can vote and you can vote. You can work and you can campaign. All of that mm. stuff is good, but there is no eternal solution apart from Jesus. Yep. Yep. You know how God sets the captive free? You know how God sets the prisoner free? You know how God opens the eyes of the blind and raises those who are bowed down and protects the stranger and gives food to the hungry? Not just in a very physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Hmm. To those who are hurting, to those who are broken, to those who are fatherless, to those who are widowed, there is only one, one solution, one compassion, one grace, one love, one mercy that is able to suffice and to sustain, and it is found at the cross. Yep. And if that's Amen. you today... It's not about saying a special prayer. It's not about doing enough mm. right things. It's not about confessing your sins to a priest. It's about looking at that cross Amen. and saying that you believe. Amen. Just believe. Just believe in that mm. work. Amen. And you will be saved. Amen. There is not a doubt. There's not an inkling of doubt in my mind that you will be saved today Amen. if you believe in that cross. Amen. Not one ounce of doubt. I will put my life on that, that Amen. you will be saved if you look at that cross and believe. Amen. And so that is all. That's all we want to say in this episode. That's yep. all we want to point you to and leave you with, gazing upon that cross. Yep. And so whether it's your 33rd time listening to the <laughs> Honest Worship podcast, 
or whether this is the first time that you've listened to us, there's one thing that we want to say that by the mercies of God, Amen. you and I can look at this wonder, Amen. look at this awe and at this, this amazing, majestic God Amen. and be driven to worship. Yep. And so that is all we have for you, THWP family. I feel like the last few episodes, we've just left it on such like a heavy moment. (laughs) (laughs) So that is all we have for you, THWP family. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. We hope that you learned about the justice of God and got to see him as both the just and the justifier of him who has faith in Christ Jesus. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, on Facebook. You can reach out to us through our website. Make sure you look out for morning devotionals coming out this Saturday. If there there's anything else, any questions that you have, you can always reach out to us through Instagram DMs or through our Gmail, honestworshippodcast at gmail.com. That is all we have for you, TSWP family. Rufus, do you have any closing final words? Yeah, what Sammy said, do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, check check out the devotionals and uh, the website also. Um, we've been kind of going through Ephesians and mm-hmm. I, I don't know, when, I, when we do those devotionals, I, I really love just kind of just walking through verse by verse because yeah. it's so heavy. So check yeah. out those devotionals just if you're having any chill time. It's not like very loud and you know, know like we do a podcast. Don't worry, I don't scream as much. <laughs> I don't scream as much on the devotionals. You have to put your volume that low. It's okay. <laughs> the, everybody's listening and they're just like they turn it up by one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but oh my gosh, yeah. So. That is all we have for you today. We love each and every single one of you guys. We hope that you have a great rest of the week, rest of the month, and a rest of the year. And we will see you all later. Goodbye. Bye.